regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. And off we go. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. I am Jacques Hopkins, and here with me as well as our co-host. How's it going, Dr. K? I'm doing fantastic. Super excited about this interview. This interview? Well, this discussion. Who's this interview with today? This discussion with Nate. This, yeah, 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 the conversation. Nate Dotson, I would say is the most requested guest. He's also been on the podcast mm-hmm. more than anybody else, but he's also the most requested. He's, he hasn't been on in a while. And I'm sure you see the comments. People are asking for Nate to come back. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So people are new to the show. Nate was on like the first 20 episodes and then he's come back on a couple of times and he's been very, very successful with a microgreens, how to grow and sell microgreens course. David, I think your wife even purchased that course at one That's point. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So I'm excited to bring Nate back on and we're going to, this was Nate's idea, but we're going to do this interview together. So for, for probably the first time, right, David, both mm-hmm. of us are going to be involved here uh, in the conversation. And you got a lot of questions for Nate. And so uh, Nate's actually on with us. So without further ado, what's up, Nate Dotson? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. <laughs> Come on, man. You got to sound more excited about that. You're coming back on the online course show. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be back. Woo! <laughs> well, it's a victory lap too, right? I mean, uh, Jacques, Jacques announced it, but congratulations, man, to Kalama Club. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, to Kalama Club, for those that aren't familiar with it, that means you've brought in over a million dollars from, technically, it's from a funnel, but you have, you have one funnel. Um, built inside of ClickFunnels that is that sells your course and you uh, it was a few months ago you surpassed that that seven figure mark but you recently received that two common club award in the mail i was interviewing somebody last week tim shields and that's going to be a future episode uh and and david's gotten to listen to that already because we recorded the intro and outro and and, da- and tim was talking about um, when he received his two common club award recently it was just a ton of emotion that came over him because of what that symbolized what was it like for you when you received that on your end? Uh, I was totally surprised when I received it. Like, I thought I wasn't going to get it because uh, I in, I emailed the person I was supposed to email, and then they said I had to send them like video footage of my journey. And I said, "Screw that! It's not worth it for the <laughs> reward <laughs> for the plaque or whatever." So I just thought it wasn't coming. I didn't even write the guy back, and. Uh, <laughs> And then it Which just, is, just showed up at my door. And, and that's I, no emotion came over me, honestly. I just thought this is like ridiculous. <laughs> that's classic Nate, I would say. You know, like not even going through the steps to be able to get this thing. I mean, you can see behind me, I've got mine, mine sitting right here behind me. I doubt yours is even on your wall anywhere. You went and applied for it because that was probably pretty easy. But then once they had you do other steps, you're like, screw this. It's not worth it to me. So where well, did you I mean, actually put it, Nate? Uh, it's sitting perched against the wall behind some junk in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's, in the, think... it's in the Goodwill donation pile. Yeah, this is this is what this is like right here in my office. This is what's important to me. This is what I put on my wall. Nice. Two big pictures of my kids. Nice. 
the having a plaque that shows that you earned a ton of money, I think is kind of ridiculous, honestly. And I wasn't <laughs> planning on like putting it out there or anything, but then Jock, you know, I'm being your first men- mentee, you know, mm-hmm. I know it meant a lot for you to have me win the award too, I'm sure, right? Is that right? Well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly not my award by any stretch, right? Um, I think it's cool that the first person I ever quote unquote coached got one of those, but that certainly says way more about you than it does me. Um, why, why do you, why, why do you feel the way you do? I'm like, could you go into more details about this? Like, why does that not mean much to you? Getting the the two comma club, either, either the award itself or surpassing seven figures in your business? Oh, I mean, the goal for me is not like to have a ton of money. I mean, it is freedom is why I kind of do everything, you know? Um, and I've had this, I've had freedom for quite a while now, just in my lifestyle, I live very cheaply and, um, earning a very high monthly income. You know, I feel like I crossed that threshold of, of reaching my goal a long time ago. And, I don't know. It just, it just didn't, just didn't do it for me. But then, but then why keep going? You have a very successful business that it makes a lot of money each month. (laughs) I haven't been going. (laughs) I literally have hardly done anything on my business for like a year practically. Yeah, but it's still not true. Nate, cause you, uh, you added a second course, um, in like April. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I did very, very little for that. Okay. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of my idea. And then someone, I hired someone or she was already kind of working for me in the microgreens mastermind. She took over and created the entire product. And I just did a little bit of help with launching the thing. And she's Mm -hmm. done the administration of the product and everything. Um, I've been very hands off the business this last year. You're saying that, that like money at the end of the day is not your number one motivator, but yet you launched this new program, even though it didn't take a lot of your time, you're, you're making money from it. Why even launch a new program like that? Oh yeah. Just, you know, to serve the customers. It was just a thing that they kept wanting. Like, you know, I saw people, my course is kind of a beginner's course. That's what I see it as. Someone who's a complete newbie to growing and selling microgreens, they can jump in, they can get all the basics, basic tools and get started. But once you're in running a business for a period of time, there's so much, there's so many complexities that, that you run into. And so this is kind of what this program is. It's just helping those people that are on that next, next phase. David, you have the floor, man. you you're literally meeting Nate for the first time. Yeah. So, you know, Nate and I, we talk every week. We're, we're, we're basically accountability we're partners. Yeah. What's, what's that? So we're sick of each other. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, we take a step back, David. You take the floor. Yeah. I mean, I am a little bit starstruck. This is a little bit like uh, meeting like Chris Barley here, like uh, a hero. So, uh, but yeah, no, like, I mean, two years ago, I remember I found your guys' podcast and I remember my wife and I were walking out in the woods. I bring this little, uh, little Bluetooth speaker. And I was like, I've got to play this podcast for you. Like, I'm like, there's these two guys. One of them is, is kind of really analytical and organized and driven, but he's also just super cool and nice. And then the other dude, you are just going to love, like he is, he's like the funniest combination of super laid back and also like driven. And he's super funny. He doesn't like technology and he's starting a course. And, uh, Two days later, she had bought your your microgreens course. 
So, I mean, I, I want to say thank you. She, you, you changed our life. She, uh, she had an awesome time at the farmer's market. She loves being a microgreens farmer. So, you know, thank you so much for that. And, and yeah, I mean, like for anybody listening, I would say that you just, you give people this feeling that like, here's this guy that doesn't even like technology and he's had this kind of success. So they feel like they can do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like a big part of my success is just luck. Like a huge part of it is being in the right place at the right time. You know, I would, I would attribute, I don't know, 80% of my success to being in the right place at the right time. Well, that's, I, that's I see what I, you're saying, but that's, I wouldn't completely agree with that, but you got, you got to give us more details about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I literally just the microgreens. So microgreens, um, I was paying attention to another urban farmer. I was learning from him and I noticed that his microgreens videos that he was putting on his YouTube channel, he was creating videos about all kinds of different urban farming topics. And I noticed that his microgreens videos were getting um, proportionally more views than the rest of his videos. Like they were the ones that were blowing up. And there was only one other guy that was teaching specifically in the microgreens niche. He wasn't marketing himself at all. So it was just like, you know, this huge demand for this thing and nobody fulfilling the demand. And I jumped right into that hole. You know, that's what I mean about perfect timing. And I, and I created, um, I kind of created the niche. I defined it, become a microgreens farmer, start a microgreens business, which are some of the key things that, uh, Russell Brunson talks about in expert secrets of how you, you know, gain success in, in an expert business. And I did that on accident another huge strike of luck in that, you know, that is what has kept the momentum going. People put videos on YouTube every week about microgreens. And if one of them becomes popular, I see a surge in all of my, my, my views, you know, cause I get recommended cause I was there in the beginning and people look up more stuff, people in their videos to talk about starting a microgreens business. So people put in the search thing, start a microgreens business. And there, there I go. That's so that's what I mean by it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I do have to argue with that, though. So somewhere in the early episodes, you mentioned that you were on radical personal finance. And for anybody that's listening to the online course guy that that loves or online course show, um, you know, I stalked you, I went back and found the episode. So it's radical personal finance, uh, episode 330. And uh, this was in 2016. And the host of that show, I went and listened to it last night again, honestly, I would tell people this is one of my top five favorite podcast episodes of all time. <laughs> um, I just, I mean, incredibly inspirational, uh, Nate. But, um, you know, you said that the, the guy asked you, he said, well, could you share this story? You say at the time in 2016, you said that your family spent under $25,000 a year. You hunted for your meat. Um, you foraged in the woods. You're like, we just don't buy stuff. Um, we have a thr- thrift shop if we do need to buy things. Uh, but then the guy said, well, do you have any, any vice, anything where you're not saving money? And you were like, uh, domain names. <laughs> you were like, <laughs> and you seriously told him, you said, someday I'm going to show my kids. He said, I have 150 folders on my computer of businesses, the ideas that I came up with. And he said, someday I'm going to show my kids all these businesses that failed. So you have 150 businesses that you, you came up with ideas and actually bought don't like how many domain names do you own right now? Yeah, I still- whittled them down a little bit. Uh, I stopped auto renewing all the ridiculous ones. I probably have forty now. 
<laughs> so, so you've been an entrepreneur your entire life. Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I. That's I think that more proves my point is I'm not good at business. I just because I failed so many times trying things um, that I just kind of got lucky uh, mm-hmm. with this one. And you know what? You know what that is, is about is um, I need pretty immediate feedback from the market to keep going with an idea. Like I'm not the type of person that can like Jacques who can go work at something for a year and not see results. Like I kind of need pretty quick results for me to be able to stick with something. So that's what I got with microgreens. It happened very quickly where the videos picked up traction and I got results. So, you know, some of those previous business ideas could have been great if I would have stuck with them. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's a lot of stories that have an element of luck in there. Uh, I would, I would argue like David, that is your story is probably not 80% luck. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe it's 20% luck because you had all these business ideas. I'm glad that David brought that up about how you literally said in 2016, which is before you start or the, uh, that's before you started the microgreens business, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He actually says in that interview that his uh, current business concept was sending, sending a journal selling a journal that would people would write in every day. And it was yeah. his next big you, idea. Man, you, you brought that idea up to me a couple of times in our weekly meetings. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think you had quite started the microgreens thing yet, but you were, you were, if that would have been your first business idea ever, you probably wouldn't have succeeded with it. Right. And it's, it's very similar to my story, having tried to launch several different online businesses and and for me, I never made a dollar. You actually had some ventures, like some Etsy stuff that it, that's made some money. Yeah. And for me, I learned a lot of things along the way from all those failed ventures. And if I didn't have those, I wouldn't have been as successful with Piano in 21 Days. So I think that for for a lot of people who are struggling, failure is part of the process. And failure is part of what can... Um, lead to your eventual success is if you find ways to get around the obstacles or you, you, with that new business, you, you take different paths. Um, so I think that in a lot of ways you're in the right place at the right time. And I think I was in the right place at the right time in 2013 with a piano course. Cause you look at how many piano courses exist today compared to back then. Um, but because we had that previous experience, uh, I think that, I think that there's some luck, but it's not near as much as you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, I kind of strategically looked for, un- found that, identified that unfulfilled demand and took advantage of it. Yeah. You know, so maybe that's not luck. Maybe that's just a smart business deci- decision. Um, but that's something I would totally recommend to people, you know, if, if you're going to get started in an online business, being smart about it, doing some research and finding areas of unfulfilled demand will make it feel more like luck. It'll 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 kind of give you an advantage and make it, things just easier along the on the you know along the way. Yeah, I think it's the whole like throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because you got some market feedback that this one thing you threw at the wall was starting to work, so you stuck with it. And I, I was I was similar, but some other things didn't stick, and so you you dropped them pretty quickly. We don't truly know what's going to work until we actually put it out there in the market. Yep, and that's Absolutely. what ended up working. So I do want to ask, and you kind of already alluded to this fact that what's important to you is your family. But again, you know, going back to that radical personal finance episode number 330, 
Um, you were just all focused on minimalism, spending spending under $25,000 a year. Um, has your level of success changed you? Like, how has this changed you? Or would you say it hasn't? Yeah, I would. I think that, you know, growing up poor, I just had some like financial trauma. And um, I think that was kind of one of the underlying drivers, too, of living so cheaply, you know, not just out of environmental concern or um, anti-consumeristic tendencies. Uh, Part of it was also just fear, Um, you know, fear of building an expensive lifestyle and then not being able to sustain it. And so I realized some of that stuff just really wasn't serving me, you know, like, um, you know, getting mad when people want to buy something that's 10 bucks or something, you know, or, I mean, I didn't often do that, but you know what I'm saying? Like kind of no loosening up a little bit. I've loosened up a little bit since then, just having such an abundance and, um, realizing where that, that can hurt me, you know? worrying about finances and building a a big lifestyle, but it is still important to me to try and reduce my environmental impact. And I definitely still understand. I I believe that uh, material goods are not what lead to happiness or fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of follow the Mr. Money mustache philosophy. I know David, you're into that as well. I think I've seen you post in the group or comment in that group, Facebook Mm -hmm. group. Yeah. Facebook Um, tattles on them on me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely loosened up a bit, but. So uh, I do have one question to my wife. Uh, I asked her if she had any questions for you since she's a super fan and she wanted to know if you'd read the book, Goodbye Things. It's by a guy named Fumio Sasaki. He's a minimalist. No, I haven't, but I will now. Yeah. So she's been, uh, she, she gets it on audio through our library and she's, she's listens to it about once a month. And just finds it therapeutic. It's like listening to her buddy. But um, it was kind of funny. The guy actually wrote it in Japanese and then it was translated. So one day we were going for a walk and I said, hey, have you ever considered that maybe the original book isn't that good? And it was just a great translator. <laughs> and I have, I've all got smacked. But um, no, it's a good book. And it was funny because in one of those Choose FI or Mr. Money Mustache type groups, somebody asked about a book on minimalism. And I recommended that one and said that my wife listened to it once a month and like four other ladies chimed in or four other people chimed in and were like, yeah, I listen to that all the time. So she wanted to share that with you if you haven't read it yet. Yeah. Yeah. I've been more conscious lately of of buying stuff because it's just so easy now on Amazon. It's so easy to buy stuff. And um, it's just sometimes hard to stop myself sometimes, you know, and then I'll just uh, realize like look around like where did this stuff come from mm-hmm. you know so i'm trying to just like put it in my cart and wait a couple of days before i buy it um, but i'm you know i hate going to the store to buy stuff i hate shopping physically in the store more than anything so i still do use amazon <laughs> so 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 somebody let me jump in real quick somebody as um that's 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 like like you lives on so so little doesn't have a lot of material possessions and kind of has been like that for a long time why are you also the type of person have so many business ideas i mean normally people with a lot of business ideas want to grow these big companies want to have a lot of money to me those things don't really go together yeah it's just a natural inclination i don't know if it's 
genetic heritage or what, but they just keep coming. You know, I, that's why I've told you before, I have like an idea sickness, you know, it's not, it's not my choosing. It's just a constant flow. So you wish you could turn it off? Oh yeah. Like, you know, it's what, it's why I haven't been able to put a lot of time and effort into microgreens farmer. Cause I'm trying to sort through, still try to like battle off all the ideas that are constantly coming into me. And, you know, I got sucked into the other idea of becoming a real estate investor. And that's where I've ended up putting quite a bit of my time this last year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very hard for me to turn off. So it, I have, you know, I have the solution for you. So what you need to do is you need to sell microgreens farmer and then just create a extremely simple website, one page, just black and white. And it's just like natesideas.com or something like that. And you just, every time you get an idea, you post it on there and maybe it can even be like a membership site where people can go in there, grab your ideas, and then they can start the businesses. And then that's your, that's your outlet to, to get rid of this. And then you can go on just coasting and uh, living your best life. How does that sound? That sounds great. I've thought of that before. That idea has come to me. <laughs> I swear to you. <laughs> I just want to get rid of them. I, I put them in a wonder list right now, and I've just got hundreds in there. Um, and I would be willing to sell microgreens farmer if someone listening to this wants to buy it. I mean, I would be willing to sell it for a million bucks. And this is a business that last year did like 400000 in profit. Yeah, that's a pretty profit. killer. That's a pretty killer deal. It is, <laughs> and I like how you usually speak in profit numbers and not in revenue numbers. Yeah, revenue is meaningless. To me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty healthy business. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a killer deal. Honestly, if someone wants to buy it, just get in touch with me. I'm not gonna. I'm not the type of guy that wants to do a, a 12 to 15 month uh, process of selling a business. It's like, if you're ready to close in like two months, then uh, get a hold of me. So what is your life like? I mean, you said that you're doing real estate. Um, are you still selling microgreens at all? Like what is what? I mean, obviously this year is like to ask you what a typical week is like. I mean, it's it's a weird year to ask that question. But what's a typical week? Like, what are you spending your hours on? Yeah, it's been um, real estate stuff, honestly, acquiring houses and redoing them. I just find a lot of satisfaction with working with my hands. Uh, as you mentioned, so true, true flips, like truly bad condition ones and, and flipping them or then keeping them as rentals. Yeah, all bad condition, major renos and uh, only one flipped and the rest I've kept as uh, rentals. So I did six houses this year um, and uh, it's just so satisfying to me mm-hmm. working with my hands and I get to listen to podcasts again. I'm kind of <laughs> like you, David, I'm a podcast junkie. Nice. I'm working on an online business all day. I can't do that. But when I'm painting on a wall, I'm just full. I listen, I'm fully absorbed. The ideas start flowing. I'm listening to it. I love it. Uh, I just needed a break, you know, of, from staring at the computer a lot and sitting in a chair a lot over the last couple of years. Uh, so that's been great. And, um, and I've uh, had some, family challenges, marital challenges. And I've been trying to focus a lot of energy on that as well, because it's like you mentioned, family is like the most important thing to me. I think I cried in that financial podcast interview. I'm probably famous for the only person to ever cry on a financial podcast. Dude, I was Um, there with you. I could feel it. Yeah. So that's been challenging and, and heavy. And it's been, I've been investing a lot of my emotional and energy into that this last year. So you said that you're not actively working on your online course business, but am I right that you and Jacques still meet every week? Yeah, pretty much every week. 
So what do you talk about, Nate? I mean, do you talk about your course? Um, you know, I mostly just am fascinated by all the stuff Jacques doing. And I write it all down, hoping that I'll do it at one point. And um, most of it I don't end up implementing. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I haven't really done, made a lot of goals of progressing on my online course stuff this last year. Well, I mean, we do our we do our penalty goals, and, and and most of the time you have one. And and if someone's not familiar with it, it's like we we set goals, accountability goals with each other. And then if one of us doesn't get it done by the next time we meet, then we owe that the other person a hundred dollars. And most of the time, you have something, even if it's something like you know making sure this new program gets launched or communicating with the girl that's running that program about a certain thing. Like, there's usually things that you're making sure that. Things, things keep moving forward, even though maybe it doesn't take a lot of your time. So you're, you're, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit for the work that you have done in the past year because there have been things. I've been there every week. Yeah. Things have moved forward a little bit, but it's more maintenance stuff I feel like I've been doing. You know, It's more kind of main, trying to maintain what's going on um, rather than really progressing. That's, that's where I'm starting to actually shift right now and I'm planning on leaning back into this business. Um, the, the microgreens farmer online business and growing microgreens here locally. So I can work on some innovative new ideas I have for growing and selling microgreens and pass those along to my students. So I'm kind of getting ready to turn the corner here. Um, and even hire people locally to start, start, uh, growing microgreens. So I'm excited about that actually. Mm-hmm. One question, uh, you know, we talked about using money or, or not spending a lot, but one of the things that came up in the early podcasts, and actually you did mention it all the way back in that radical personal finance episode, is that you had a van that you had ambitions to go around and tour. Um, we got to hear about Jacques uh, traveling around the country. So within the last couple of years, as you've had increasing levels of success, have you gotten to do any fun trips or uh, yeah. did you ever tour in that van? Yeah, we ended up um, doing three weeks, one fall, and then the next year we did six weeks um, van trips. And uh, we decided that we we want a bigger bigger RV if we do that again. So we ended up selling the van. But yeah, it was fun. It was quite the adventure, that's for sure. Nice. I've been spending a lot of time with my friends, and uh, I go to a weekly men's group. It's associated with the Mankind Project, and that's been awesome. And just like sitting down and listening to other people's struggles and um, connecting with other guys. And I've I've been we call it like doing work, you know, men's work. People have probably heard the term. And I've tried to bring a lot more play into people's lives too. I've kind of taken on that role in our group and I've got everyone going on a weekly pickleball game. We do that like uh, maybe once or twice a week. I've just been loving that. Um, and, uh, you know, we do, we do donate money to the, the school my daughter goes to and a couple other organizations in town um, help out at our friend's farm every once in a while. But, uh, man, I've been just, just working on the houses, the real estate stuff and, and juggling the online business and all that. It's, it's taken mm-hmm. quite a bit of my time this year. Sure. Well, that leads into my next question. I was curious uh, about your experiences hiring people, um, your top advice for hiring a team. And then I think I saw um, we are now connected on Facebook, but that you're hiring an in-person, in-person person. So, like, what's your, what's your feedback on hiring? Any advice? Any any uh, wisdom? 
Uh, no, I would say I'm probably a bad person to get any advice on hiring from. Uh, I really lucked out on this one lady who did customer support for me. You know, with contractors, you can, you just make your best guess and give them some work to do. And they kind of show you pretty quickly if they do a good job and then you keep them on. But I was talking to a friend of mine in town about hiring local people. And apparently it, you know, having a lot of turnover can really hurt you locally because your um, unemployment insurance rate can increase substantially. So you have to be like very careful about having like an employee handbook and, um, you know, writing up employees properly when they do something wrong and, you know, trying to really reduce your turnover. So that's something I'm just learning right now as, as I take on this, get ready to take on this task of, of hiring people locally. But, you know, I've actually read books on hiring. I'm trying to think of the one right now that me and Tommy both were into. Um, gosh, I can't think of it. It's not crossing my mind. I've read books on it, but then when it comes to the actual process, I just kind of wing it. Was yeah, it called, I, was it called like who maybe? Who that is what it's called. Yep. Well, what is the position that you're hiring in person? Uh, the position I advertised is just farm helper. I wanted mm. to cast a wide net and get a lot of people um, on to a Zoom call for the interview and kind of judge with, whether they have a really personable, good personality because my actual aspiration for them is that they will start farm helping, growing microgreens, helping me with that, but that they can also create content for microgreens farmers. So I wanted to um, you know, judge them, not just on their, what I think they can do with their farm skills. Cause that's pretty easy to train anyone, but someone with a good personality. And I had tons of good candidates for it. So now it's just kind of weeding through them and picking a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, so I've been asking Jock to ask the people that he talks with a couple questions just to get a better idea about what this course journey has been like. So, um, what would do you have a favorite student success story as you think about people that have uh, interacted with your content? Yeah, for sure. My favorite student success story is Don DeLillo. Um, you may have seen him. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. He, he was I featured him in my YouTube channel a couple of times. And right in the beginning, you know, I was talking about home delivery and how one of the challenges with running a microgreens business is inconsistency with selling to chefs like you know, they might order a couple of weeks in a row and you're growing, preparing 10 trays for them. And then the next week, all of a sudden they ghost you and you don't hear anything from them and you have all this extra product uh, or a farmer's market. You might show up and it storms a bunch that week and hardly anyone's there and you're, you have a bunch of product and it can be heart wrenching. And uh, so I was kind of once I learned those lessons, we did a home delivery program. I was kind of pushing more people towards that. And uh, he like ran with that model and he's crushing it, doing amazing with like 80 home delivery customers. Some of them, one of them, one lady buys $300 worth of microgreens every week off him. One person, she's like eating them to like try to cure her cancer or something. Um, But he's doing, he's doing great. And he actually helped with my most recent program doing the coaching and mentoring on there. And uh, he's now teaching microgreen stuff on YouTube as well, creating his own brand. So that's been, you know, fun and exciting to watch. Yeah, I did get to watch the video with him um, because last, so last summer you had a microgreens mastermind, 
I think it was called like a monthly membership where you'd have an interview with those with a, a couple people every two weeks. And so Val, you know, you're good at selling to my wife. I don't know. <laughs> like <laughs> she signs up for pretty much anything you put out, except this year she didn't go for that higher level one just because she was too she wasn't she didn't even end up doing the farmer's market this year just because um, you know, COVID. But <laughs> um yeah, that was cool. Yep. What about uh, if you had to zero in on one day, your most exciting day as a course creator, what would that be for you? Hmm. Most exciting day? That's Gosh. a tough question. I'm, try, I'm trying to think about mine too. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me is maybe the first, first sale. Maybe the first time somebody like thanked me and just like talked about the ways that it kind of changed changed their life. Yeah. I think the most exciting day for me was when I first, the first day I launched my online course and sold several of them. Mm. Uh, and the most exciting week for me was when I redid my webinar towards like the perfect webinar script. And after it had run for a week and seen the results of that, that's when my sales like pretty much tripled. Um, what was, so that was, I think after you were kind of co-host you went from what ten thousand up to thirty thousand in a week, pretty much. Yeah, ten thousand dollars a month up to about thirty thousand dollars a month. Yeah, before the ten thousand, I was just selling it through. I had the free ebook, and then I would take them through a product launch formula sequence. Mm-hmm. And then once I implemented the um, the web perfect webinar script, I did the webinar. I did it live. I think I did it just like once or twice or maybe three times or something before I turned it on to evergreen. And, um, yeah, man, that, that was a huge boost. It just did really well. Really, That's really crazy. Well. I want to, let me jump in and provide a little bit more context there because there's, there's definitely a lot of new listeners here. Maybe haven't listened to like those first 20 episodes of the podcast back in 2017. When, you know, I, I've been running piano in 21 days for a while and, I got invited on to go on Nick Loper's podcast, The Side Hustle Show, back in probably 2016, maybe maybe early 2017. And, and Nate, you heard that episode, and you were one of the. I think you were the very first person to email me after that episode came out. So you were you were you were probably painting something at the time and, and listened to that episode, and you immediately reached out to me for coaching. And at the time, I was just doing piano in 21 days, and so uh, I was excited about the opportunity to coach somebody in online courses. Um, and so I checked out your stuff and you had actually, you weren't like, Oh, I'm thinking about this idea of, for a course, you had a course and you had made sales, you had a YouTube channel. So I could check all those things out. And I was like, yeah, I'll coach you. And I, we, we talked once or twice. And then I came to you and I was like, Hey, how about instead of you paying me for coaching sessions, I have this idea for a podcast. Why don't we start the podcast this way? And, and you come on and be the guest slash like student on the podcast and in exchange, like you don't have to pay me anything and you were, you were good with it. And that was essentially the first 20 episodes of this podcast. And so I think a lot of people find value going back and listening because of where you were at the beginning of the podcast, you had a course, you had some results, but when you reached out to me, you just like, didn't really know where to go next. You didn't have an evergreen funnel. And, and so you just mentioned like you, you, your, your PLF funnel and then adding a webinar that's kind of one of the things I helped you do was just implement a funnel similar to what Piano in 21 Days was. That's we implemented the PLF thing together, and man, you you haven't you to, to 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 according to what you're saying, you haven't done a ton of work in the past year. But when we first started working together, 
you did a ton of work, man. You worked like a crazy person. You were so motivated you implementing these things. And, um, and, and the reason we stopped doing that, because one day I was like, you basically like surpassed how much money I was making, right? especially once you did the webinar, it's like, man, I don't have anything left to teach you. Like you're making like 50 grand a month from this. Like you're, you're not my student anymore. You're, you're my colleague, you're my accountability partner. And so that's kind of why we stopped the, the, the podcast episodes and switched the podcast itself to more of an interview based format. And then around episode hundred, I brought David on to be the, the, the new co-host uh, of it. So the, the, that's, and that's one of the reasons that people are requesting for you to come on. Because they they're familiar with your story, where you've come from, and and where you are now, and I'm sure some people are listening. to This is like, wow, it, is he burnt out now? Like he reached a level of success, and it's like now he almost doesn't even want to work on it. Like, are do you? Would you say that you're burnt burnt out at this point? Yeah, I would say I was burnt out, and um, and I took the break, found something productive to do during the break, which was investing some of the the profits from this business into real estate stuff. Like when you have a business and you earn a ton of money, you feel like this, you start to feel this pressure. Like I can't just have this money sit here and like rot away. You know, people tell you money's worthless if it's just sitting there and you need to invest it in something. So I felt that pressure and I was burnt out and it sounded fun working on houses. And, uh, you know, so I just kind of combined the three and had a productive year, made some great investments. I think almost every investment, one of them, is pretty good, but the rest are great investments. Um, like the houses are already worth like almost double what I bought them for practically. Um, and, and now I'm feeling like, you know, getting some energy back to jump back into it. You know, it's starting to rebuild and I'm just kind of going with the flow. I'm ready to get back into it and I'm excited again. But here, but at this point, I would say you're financially independent. Is that a fair statement? Um, if not pretty close. I mean, if, if my marriage continues and I stay married long-term, I would say yes. But you know, in a divorce, if I end up going through a divorce or something like that, it could change dramatically. Okay. I might have so, to buy the business. The business could be, have a high value and then I could actually end up just in debt from it. So I'm not sure if I would say that for, or not. What? Well, you're certain. So there's there's obviously plenty of factors there, but you're certainly far more financially independent today than you were, let's say, three to four years ago. And so, what I'm what I'm getting at is, let's say that you never did start Microgreens Farmer, and this is just one of those businesses that was an idea that never got legs. How would your life be different today? Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I I think I would have kept. I would keep combing through ideas until I found one that, that struck. I don't think I was, I would ever give up. <laughs> would you be working? I mean, I have to work. How could I, how could I not be working? <laughs> yeah. I, I understand. But like you, you, do you feel like if no idea would ever have taken off, like you'd be working a nine to five right now? Yeah, probably. Or wouldn't you be doing, you'd, you'd still have your urban farm, your microgreens and your Etsy businesses, wouldn't you still be self-employed? Yeah, I might still, I might just be doing that full time. Um, it's really just hard to know where I would, where I'd be. Yeah. But, but you, I've never had trouble keeping a, a full-time job. Like a, every boss I've ever had is just like 
would hire me back in a second. You know, I bust my butt. I work twice as hard for other people than I do for myself. Three <laughs> times as hard. Why? Why would that be? I'm uh, not that, I'm not that way. I just want to impress them or something. I get it. Dude, you need to come work for me, Nate. It's tricky. It's hard to stay motivated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the, at the beginning, money was a motivation or the freedom that comes from money was a motivation, but that motivation kind of, you know, almost vanished. So it's now it's like, you know, it's, it's motivating to help my students, but I've already put out so much stuff that's constantly helping them. So, you know, I can find new ways and that's still kind of exciting, but now what's motivating me is this new idea. And that's what, that's a huge part of my motivation is like validating my ideas. So I have this new way of running a microgreens business, this new model that I want to test out. And so I can share that with my students, you know, and it would be a game changer, man. If it, I think it's going to work. I think there's an 85% chance it's going to work brilliantly. And, you know, but I've thought that of all, most of my business ideas in the past and 90% of them failed or, you know, 95% of them probably. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. But if this new model works, man, it's going to make it so easy for anyone to get a profitable microgreens business started quickly. That's very easy to operate. Um, very easy to acquire customers. I'm just so excited about mm-hmm. it. It would, it would, it would probably triple my sales um, once people realize the impact of starting a business this way instead of what, how people are teaching it now. Triple the sales of my online course. You know, as I adjust my training to that new model. Talking about ideas, I think at one point you wanted to create an actual physical product that would lead people into your microgreens course. Uh, did you ever end up doing that? No, I didn't. It uh, it was just too much. The economics weren't really going to work out in mm-hmm. my favor. You know, I looked into basically creating a new microgreens tray that would have blown out the rest of them on the market and solved some of the major issues people have with the trays. But man, manufacturing is a whole another beast, and just mm-hmm. creating a die one die cast mold was like 40 grand or something like that, you know, um, I just, I just didn't keep going with it. Yeah. I listened to the couple of podcast episodes on Pat Flynn where he's like involved in a physical product. And I'm like, man, for the, for the energy he put into it, it just, I mean, it's been a success, but I mean, not for the amount of energy he probably put into it. I don't think so yeah. probably wise to figure that out. Yeah. Digital products. It was just too much for a lead generation because, you know, I wanted to help people, but I also wanted to be a major lead generation. And I just thought there's simpler ways to generate leads than this. Mm -hmm. There's, there's markets for these physical products, obviously. And a ton of people go down that path. I just, it's just so much easier to do a digital product. (laughs) I'm a, I'm a little bit biased, but I mean, all three of us have courses just like from idea to actually launching, it's just the steps are completely different and so much easier when it's a digital product versus a physical product. Yeah. All right. So I got to ask, um, you guys have now had this like three year bromance and, uh, you know, you meet every week. I think that you've gone to at least one conference together and you've done a workshop weekend. So I got to ask if there's any stories about like, just kind of telling us a funny story about something that the listeners don't know about something that happened in person or something that happened on one of your, one of your calls. I got one. I'll jump in. 
Nate, you can think about yours, but I got one that comes to mind immediately. You know, the first time we ever met was at this conference. Uh, it was called SumoCon in, it was probably 2017, honey, maybe 2018. But we had been, uh, we had been meeting weekly and Nate told me about this conference in Austin, um, small business deal. And so we went and, you know, hearing Nate's story now, it makes a lot of sense, but he was like, Hey man, you want to share a hotel room? And, uh, and so that's him just, you know, trying to save money, um, not being extravagant. And that's, for me, it was a little awkward. I'm like, Oh gosh, I've never actually met this guy in real, in real, uh, in real life. And he wants to share a room with me. I'm like, Oh, should I do it? But I don't want to offend him either. So we ended up sharing a room uh, the first time we met at that first conference. Um, and it was fine. There's no, there's no other story out of that. But I just remember that initial, the initial thought process when he asked me that. And for him, you know, knowing Nate and his background, was, admit it was nothing. Like he probably wanted to share a room with like ten people to save even more money on that. Because to him, it's the same. He probably just assumed sleep on the floor. You remember that, Nate? Yeah. <laughs> no nude, no nude yoga though, huh? Not that I remember. No. <laughs> okay. no, I, had to, I had to hold back. Uh, <laughs> But I, I thought it was something kind of funny. It's just kind of making fun of myself more than anything. But we met up with uh, me, Jacques, and Tommy. Met up for a mastermind in New Orleans. Well, who's who's Tommy? I think you mentioned him before. Yeah, he, I think he's been on the online course show, Tom. Long Tom time ago. He, he's got an like an engineering um, man. He was like in an episode in like the twenties, probably. But he's in engineering, okay. and, and me and Tommy. Now. Me and Tommy and Nate actually meet monthly now. Uh, we met Tommy at that conference in Austin. He was another course creator, and he's been, he's been very successful in this niche within engineering. And we still meet on a monthly basis and and do more of like a monthly mastermind as opposed to weekly. Yeah, but uh, we were walking around downtown and uh, or like the, the Mardi Gras area of New Orleans. I don't know what you call it, Bourbon Street. Bourbon Street, and there was this real fancy steakhouse we went to and sat down in. It was the nicest, most expensive restaurant I've ever been to, I think. And uh, at the end of the meal, I had like steak left over. And, <laughs> you know, instead of me just getting a regular box, I always, always ask for just a piece of foil so it's not as wasteful. You know, I don't get a big plastic box. And so I asked her for a piece of foil and they came back and I just wrapped it up and put the steak in my pocket. And they were just make ragging on me the whole rest of the trip about my pocket steak. <laughs> I think I, I think I pulled it out of the casino later on that night and just started chewing on it. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> Do you nice. remember that job? I remember the pocket steak. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh man. Well, any uh, any book or podcast recommendations? You said you've been listening to do a bunch of podcasts. Yeah, I've more been listening to goofy stuff. Um, Let's hear it. <laughs> mostly Joe Rogan's, honestly. Uh, That's not goofy. Yeah, a lot of them are. It's kind of goofy. Uh, a lot of them are goofy. I'm trying to think. Jacques recently recommended one to me that I really liked. I can't think of the name of it. Right Mind now. of George. Yeah, Mind of George. I listened to several of those. It's really Man, good. That's, I've talked about it on the podcast a couple of times so far. Yeah, Mind of George show. It's with George Bryant. He's an amazing marketer. Uh, really hmm. authentic. Uh, really been digging into a lot of those podcasts lately. Oh, Think Like a CEO. Really good. Um, and I like the Making Sense podcast with Sam Harris and the good old Grateful Dead cast. I've been listening to that quite a bit. 
So, so Nate, let me let me jump in here. <laughs> You're 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 very unique, and that's that's one of the reasons that we we work well together is because we're very very different, um, and and we think about things very differently. And so, if I get an idea, it's it's great to be able to bounce it off you because you're going to think about it from a totally different perspective. And I think you know you would say vice versa as well. Um, so, as people are listening to to your story, like what do you think the main things that people can take away from your story? Let's say there's like. Uh, people thinking about getting into online courses or online business of some sort, what lessons do you think people can learn from, from the way you've gone about things? Um, the biggest lesson I would say is if you aren't like real confident in tech stuff, um, find a mentor that can really guide you the best ways to go with that. But that's not just for people who are like me. Like I would actually give that advice to anyone who wants to start a business. I, I mentioned this. I was just re- just interviewed last week on um, the side hustle show. He did like an update thing. And I told him like my number number one piece of advice is probably to is your niche selection, like just what you actually get into. What I talked about at the beginning of this, you know, the expert secrets formula of like creating your own niche, the blue ocean strategy, I guess is what a lot of people call it. Um, but like my second one that I think is just as important as that is to find someone who's doing what you want to do and hire them, like pay them whatever you need to pay them to have them show you what to do. Like I've been thinking about starting a store here in Bloomington selling indoor plants. I think that's going to start to blow up more and there's going to be a lot of opportunities for people to sell those in urban areas. And, um, I would find someone who had a successful success, uh, successful storefront in a college town of a similar size. And I would pay him, you know, if I had to pay him 500 bucks an hour to tell me exactly what to do, that's what I would do. It's like a shortcut to success. What, what about an accountability partner? How, how important do you think that is? I mean, without, without being specific, like we, it's been me and you for the past like three years, every week, essentially. But do you think that's that's a piece of advice that you would give is, is to find an accountability partner more on your same level to where you can just hold each other accountable? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And find what motivates you. Um, you know, it can be hard to find motivation when you're the boss, but we, we realized, or at least I realized in the beginning that losing money is a big motivator to me. So we set the penalty goals and I I think I've maybe paid you one time. Ever. Maybe I can't. Maybe not. Maybe either zero or one time. I've paid you a few times. I know that. Yeah. So find what your motivation is, and and you know harness that. So Nate, I mean, you you to your own admission, you haven't done a ton the past year ish. <laughs> one of the one of the things that jumps out of people makes them want to do this type of business, online course business, is the passive income, and you've been reaping the benefits of that. What I mean. For those that want to kind of take your path and start an online course, put in the work up front, and then kind of sit back and, and maybe invest in real estate or, or come up with other business ideas, what do you have to do now to maintain? Like, what, what does it take to keep the train on the tracks at this point now that you've put in the work? Yeah, it, I wouldn't say the train is on the, fully on the tracks. Or like the train is slowing down, you know? Uh, I think it really does take constant innovation to keep a business moving, to keep a, to stay relevant in business. I don't think you really can just coast. And l- actually, I shouldn't say that. 
what it would take to just coast is to create like a full self-managing company. Um, kind of like, uh, what's that guy's name? Um, Dan Sullivan, the strategic coach, he teaches people how to do that. And so that means having someone that has new ideas and is pushing your business forward. See, I don't have that. So I have just a kind of a maintenance, minimal maintenance machine, you know, people that do customer support and advertising and that type of thing. But if I would take the leap and hire someone who wants to lead the business, uh, grow the business, kind of like a CEO sort of role, I think that that could be one way to do it, you know, have a self-managing business. Dan Sullivan teaches that strategic coach. That's what you need to do because you, you, your business needs to have someone who's constantly trying to innovate and push things forward. Yeah. But at this point you don't have that. Right. And I know for me, like I'm, I'm basically running two businesses. I've got the online course guy and piano in 21 days. And if I just isolate on the piano in 21 days side, you know, I've got, I've got more people on the team than, than you do, but there's still things I have to do. Uh, not every day, but almost every day. Like I've got a customer support, support person, but they can't handle everything. Some things need my attention. And there's certain comments like YouTube, there's other other places. I personally go live to my piano students each week. Like, is there any of that that you've, you've got to do? Or are you literally just in a season of everything's on autopilot right now? Uh, yeah, I still have to jump in and help with customer support stuff here and there for sure. If you want to, if you want to build a business that you don't have to be involved in at all, you just have to start separating yourself. And whenever someone needs you, you need to understand why and then figure out how to, you know, have that be handled without you. Essentially, you just have to start eliminating yourself when you're needed, figure out how to eliminate that need. Was any portion of your switch to more of a real estate focus, a response to the COVID crisis? No, this was pre-COVID. I was kind of winding down. I was still doing some renovations, but I don't think I've acquired a new uh, property since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was pre-COVID for sure. What uh, what software and tools do you recommend course creators use? <laughs> Terrible question to ask me. To the non-tech guy. Yeah. Well, but 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 there's a lot of people that resonate with you as well. They're they're not the tech person either, and so if I I am a tech person, so if I give advice, it's different than somebody like you giving advice. Yeah, Active Campaigns, awesome. Uh, ClickFunnels has been great for me for creating landing pages, sales pages, and my course. It's functioned perfectly well for me for my course. Uh, from my perspective, I guess I haven't really you know gone in depth interviewing my students about that. Um, gosh, I don't use a whole lot of other fancy frills. It's very bare bones. Yeah. I think I use like 30, 35 different tools and use like four. <laughs> yeah. There's more than one way to do this. Yeah. All right, Nate. Well, as you know, the, the listeners are, uh, really a couple of main groups of people, people that are more on the beginner side, either haven't launched a course yet, or they kind of sort of have, but haven't really made too many sales yet. But then we also have established course creators listening as well, looking to take things to the next level. So any closing thoughts to either group of people that are just looking for some motivation or inspiration? Yeah, I mean, I just want to um, re- basically reiterate what I was saying about someone who's just getting started, how important it is, I think, if you want to make the path easier for yourself to read Expert Secrets, really understand what he's talking about, about creating, or there's a book called Blue Ocean Strategy, I think, but Mm -hmm. I think Expert Secrets sums it up quicker 
and gives you lots of other good stuff uh, about creating your own op- new opportunity. Um, that's one way to really just differentiate yourself and to be able to create a powerful webinar. Um, so doing that and then getting a mentor are, if you could just get those two things right and then just stick it out for six months, you're going to see some results. So that's what I would recommend, you know, spending incredible amount of time finding your exact new opportunity, what makes it different, implementing from expert secrets, what they tell you to do, and then um, identifying someone who's doing what you want to do at a high level and getting them on, hiring them as your mentor. Very good. And I would say if somebody's listening to this podcast, if you're listening to this podcast right now, and if you've not read Expert Secrets, then that, like, that needs to be the very next thing that you do. I think most people listening to this probably have, have read it at this point because I, I, uh, that's one of my top pieces of advice as well. Whether you're just starting out or if you have a course already, there's, go- there's going to be amazing takeaways like the whole um, new opportunity versus what is it called? Improvement. M- most people want to go after an improvement uh, opportunity. Okay, online piano courses exist. Let me just make a better one. No, you got to find a way for it to be a new opportunity. So I think that's amazing advice. Uh, Nate, thanks for coming back on, man. Appreciate you doing yeah, this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And David, thanks for uh, joining me on the interview side of things this time. Thanks. Guys, uh, that's going to do it. Thank you all so much. And, and for everybody out there listening, thank you for listening to another episode. We finally brought back on our most requested guest. You'll, you guys will have to let me know who, who's next. Who's, who's the next most requested guest for future episodes? So guys, that's going to do it. You can find all the links and show notes to this episode by going to oc.show slash 149. And for more online course resources, tips, programs, courses, all things online courses, head over to the onlinecourseguide.com. We'll catch everyone next time. Take care. 